Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we talked about, um, talked about being yoked, about being yoked up last week. And I'm not going to repeat a lot of what we talked about, but, um, you know, I thought that uh, we're, all, we're all yoked up. Okay, you think about whether whether believers or unbelievers, and it's and it's there's kind of like two. I kind of thought about this this morning. There's kind of two two stages if you want to think about it that way. Kind of the and um, believers and non-believers first. You know, non-believers they're yoked up with the world. You know, there's no. I mean, they're and um, you know that that yoke of sin is heavy. But for believers, we're yoked up. We're yoked up with Christ. And you think about how the yoke of sin is heavy. And the yoke of Christ, people don't understand, but it's, it's light. And the Bible teaches us this. I mean, we know this. But you know, that's the thing is, is everybody's yoked up in light, whether they realize it or not. And unfortunately, those that are lost don't realize that they're yoked up with Satan. That's who they're really yoked up with. From their viewpoint, they're yoked up with the world, but that's one and the same. Um, and, and you know, the, to me, for those that don't believe, the flesh drives that desire. I mean, you know, and, and I think even for all of us, you know, there's a desire within all of us that we want to, you know, we want to belong. I mean, most, you know, most people do. Now, there's some people that don't, but for the most part, there's a yearning or there's a desire to be, to be part, to be, to be, have fellowship with other people or whatever the case might be. And, you know, the flesh will drive us further and further into the world's yoke if we let it, even if we're saved. Okay, I mean, because just because we're saved, we're not immune to being drawn away, and, and, and we have to be aware of that. And but you know, the, the putting on the yoke of Christ that releases the power of God in us. I mean, that's really what it does. When we're saved, that yoke comes on us. I mean, it's it's not a burden; it's a it's a health. You know, when we say that, when we think that we're yoked up with Him, I mean, that's a that's a source of strength. It's a source of power, and not only that, it secures our soul. I mean, we've got to, we got to, you know, I just, I just thought about that this morning. We have to understand, and I'm not saying we don't, but just to think about how he's brought us in to the power that he's, that he's put upon our lives to be able to live for him. And yet, you know, we still have a choice, even as believers, whether we're truly going to be yoked up with him or whether we're just going to kind of be straddle the fence. I mean, I'm just, going, I'm just being quite honest, you know, because that's how life is. You know, we're either going to be sold out and yoked up with him and serve him and, and really want to love him and, and want to serve him, or we're going to kind of try to, we're going to kind of say, well, you know, fellowship with him and then still want to dabble in the world. I tell you, that's not what he expects of us, and that's, that's not what he wants out of us. He wants us to live 110% for him. So... Um, just to kind of set the groundwork there a little bit. So, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say much more about that. But, um, but when we think about, so what's the example? Who's the example? And I may have touched a little bit on this, but I think kind of get us grounded again for how to go forward in Matthew 11. I'm just going to go through this real quick. But Christ is the example for us. We know this. We know that He's the example. We know He's the teacher. And, and in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, just to kind of as a reminder, I'm going, to, I'm going to read these three verses. And it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, 
That's what he's telling us right there. He's like, he's like, come to me, and I'll teach you, and I'll help you, and I'll strengthen you. Um, not only that, number one, I'll save you. Okay, that's first and foremost. But, um, and ye shall find rest under your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. So he wants to, his desire, number one, is to save us, and his desire is to, is to help us, to teach us, and he is our example. He's our example. So, but here's the thing. If you flip a few pages over, and I think I mentioned this last week, but this is, this is you know, I don't know. I, I tell you all the time that when I, as I study, it's, it's for me first, okay, as I study. It's for me because a lot of these things that, 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 that I mean, God is moving on, he's dealing with me. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I'm sharing, what I'm doing is just kind of sharing it after I've studied and he's, and he's moved upon me. And, and here, especially, in, in Matthew, this, this verse, verse 24, Matthew 16 says this. Um, it says, then, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I mean, you know, we, we can't be yoked up with Christ. I can't be yoked up with him unless I'm going to, i got to deny myself. Okay, now I, I know that's a very fundamental, you know, we, a lot of this, a lot of this is fundamental. I mean, it's really fundamental, but let me tell you something, just because it's fundamental does not mean that it's easy to put into practice and to apply to our lives. It takes effort, okay, I mean, it takes effort, and I have to be willing, you know, my love for Christ has to be enough that I'm willing to put aside the stuff that my wants sometimes. Probably, you know, more than, than sometimes, okay? Because this flesh does not desire all the time what God wants. I mean, you know, and if we're all honest, we'll agree and we'll say that's true. So, but we have to, we have, to have that, you know, deny self, okay? And, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to say this and I'm going to move on. That right there is way bigger topic we could spend a lot of time on that. I mean, really. But, but that's so fundamental in our Christian walk is, de is denying self. Because when we truly deny self, that is truly when we come to realization of what God wants to do with us in his plan for us, for our lives. I mean, that's, that's it's key. Um, Y'all don't seem too excited about that, so I'm going to move on. But anyway... But I mean, but it, but it's true. I mean, I'm just I'm just being honest. I mean, it, to me, that's that's a, a key part, fundamental thing of us to grow in our relationship with Him. I mean, it's just and to and really apply it to our lives. So He wants to teach us. In um, this was the verse I know I hit on Mark. It was Mark chapter six, verse thirty four last week, where Jesus said that He had compassion on the, on the multitude, and He sat down and He began to teach them. He wants to teach us, okay? And, and, and I know I'm repeating myself here a little bit, but I want us to kind of get grounded. And Nicodemus even, even told Christ himself when he met him that night. In John chapter 3, verse 2, he told him, he said, we know that thou art a teacher from God. I'm kind of paraphrasing. You know, you know, I, I could flip there and read it. But he even knew. So, I mean, there's no doubt. He's a teacher, great teacher from God. So we have the great teacher who wants to teach us, he saved us. All we have to do is be willing to allow him to teach us so that we can truly yoke up with him and serve him and do as he, as he wants us to live. So if we look at, uh, I'm going to bounce back over to 2 Corinthians, back to, to chapter 6 again. So 
in this, I tell you, if y'all see my pages, I got I went back through, I got stuff written all over the place. I'm kind of kind of oh got stuff everywhere this morning. But anyway, verse 14. Okay, verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This is what I'm going to read. It says this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And we talked about that last week. And keep in mind, this is what we're talking about, is unbelievers, okay? That's the main thing. And here's why. Because he says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And you know, I went, I went back this, this past week, and I, and I started thinking about that, that light and darkness. And, and I thought, you know, again, what a fundamental concept. You know, what probably some of the first things that the kids are taught, you know, when, when they're being taught when they're young is God is light, you know, and, and, and darkness is bad. Light is good, darkness is bad. Well, you know what? That doesn't change just because I'm 60 years old and because we're adults, it does not change the fact that the light is the place where we are to live and the light is the place that we're supposed to shine and the darkness is what we're supposed to shun. It doesn't change. Okay? It doesn't change just because we're older. And now the circumstances, and again, the application change. But you know, I just think it's so important. We, we, we have to understand this world that we live in, it's a dark place. I mean, it really is. It's a dark place. Now, but we don't have time to dwell on that. Okay? I don't have time to dwell on it this morning either. We don't, as Christians, we don't, we're not to dwell. We're supposed to yoke up, we're yoked up with him, shine the light, and do the work that he's called us to do. But it is dark, okay? And we've got to make sure that we stay out of the shade. We're not even supposed to be in the shade, okay? We're <laughs> nowhere near the darkness. If we start getting in the shade, we're, we better be seeking guidance. When are we supposed to say something? And, you know, and I think it's interesting that he uses this example. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers... And what communion does, does light have with darkness? You think about it at the beginning. Or you, I mean, just think about life. You know, I sat there, I was, I was sitting at the, at the table last night, and I thought, you know what? When it gets dark, it gets dark. Okay? And there's no light that comes out. The sun doesn't come out in the middle of the night. Okay? I mean, if it does, it would be a very strange occurrence, right? I mean, it doesn't. I mean, there is no light in darkness. It's that simple. And I mean, John, in this verse, in John, I mean, very familiar. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I mean, this is what it says. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. I mean, it's the light. He is the light. And it says, and the light shineth in darkness. And here's the thing. And the darkness comprehended it not. You know, I mean, to me, to me we see right there. Those that will believe and those will not, that who will not believe right there. Because those that are in darkness, they comprehend not the Spirit of God. They don't comprehend why Jesus came. I mean, they're in, because they're in darkness and they choose to stay in darkness. But my point being, there is a definite difference. And when he's telling us that we have to live a certain way and we have to be aware of what situation we're in, there is a definite contrast between light and and dark. I mean, that's why the, what the Bible teaches us. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, 
has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Before I got saved, I was in the dark. I mean, I was dead, okay, in terms of a relationship with, with God. I had none. I was dead, but I was also living in darkness, okay? And I know this is very fundamental, but, I mean, this is like, this is about as, I don't know, straightforward application as we can get to what, when, when, when the Bible was teaching us how we're to live versus how we're not to live. I mean, I, I, it's, so the light's in us, number one, if we're saved. Okay, we've got to be saved first. We've we got to have asked Christ to come into our hearts before, we're, before the light can shine in us. Okay, before the, when the Holy Spirit comes in, that's when we get the real light. And to walk in the light and to live in fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about, really walking in the light. And 1 John, I know I'm bouncing around. We'll get settled in here in a little bit, maybe. Maybe not, but 1 John... 1 7 says this, and again, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. I mean, again, he's telling us, John's telling us the same thing that, that Paul's telling us in Corinthians. It's like, look, if you're saved, then live like you're saved. That's what he's telling us. And, and you don't associate, we cannot be yoked up with unbelievers, okay? Now, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. That does not mean that we shun people. Jesus Christ never, when he walked the face of the earth, he never shunned anyone. And that's not what he expects of us. We're not to shun people. Okay? But what it means is we're not supposed to get down with them and start dabbling into stuff that they're doing thinking that we're going to have an influence on them and win them over to Christ. That's not going to work. And that's what he's telling us. We've got to understand that who we are to fellowship with and who we're not. It didn't say... You don't witness to unbelievers. We know that's, that's in direct violation of what the Bible teaches us. We are to witness. We are to live before them. We are to be an example. And shunning them, that's not, that's, again, that's not right. That's right. And I like the word in what you use, the, the word entangled. That's what he's telling us here. You know. So, but he says here, but in, in 1, 7, John 1, 7 says, or 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And like I just said, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But the key is that we're walking in the light. Okay? And that's how we have fellowship. If we're not walking, if we're not yoked up with the Lord and really living for him, we really don't have fellowship with him and, 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 and God the Father. We don't have fellowship. Now, we can say we're saved, but our fellowship may be pretty sad i'll just put it that way and so all right so i think you going flipping back over here to going back to second corinthians chapter six but you know i i just uh, it's very clear the direction is very clear okay and i'm not going to belabor the point so so we move on to verse 15 and he says and what concord hath christ with belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel let me tell you, he's using some pretty strong words here, okay? Because Bilal, in this verse, and from what I've what I studied, I mean, he's referring to the devil. He's, defer, he, he's referring to those that are wicked. He's referring to those that are ungodly, okay? Now, needless to say, I don't have to tell you all that Christ has no relationship with the ungodly, right? And we are not to either. 
So that's what he's telling us here. And an infidel is one who does not believe in the Bible, one who does not believe in Christ. You know, you, you, it, it's like, and it's sad, but you think about an infidel, I mean, and, and whether you want to refer to them as, as an unbeliever or whatever, but we just, however you want to look at it. But the way that we live, our character, how we think, I mean, everything about us as a believer, we are living, we're living in the same world, okay, so, so listen to when I say this, but in theory, those that are not believers, the infidels, those that don't believe in Christ, it's almost as though they're living in another world than what we are, if you think about it, because their, their standards, their, their values, their, I mean, they're here with us, but they can't really relate to what we're, what we're to relate to or what we can relate to. I mean, they, their hope, they have no hope. Their, their, their view is of this life only, and then it's over with. I mean, that's not our view. That's right. So that's what he's telling us, that we're not to, again, we're not to have fellowship. That doesn't mean we don't try to get to witness to them and share the gospel with them, okay? Because we want to see them get saved, okay? They need Christ. Otherwise, they're going to have an eternity in hell without Christ, and that's, that's, that's sad. So, but you know, it's almost like they live in two separate worlds in a sense, different value standards and beliefs. So, in, in this word, he says concord. What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what conquering, um, or what part, he that believeth with an infidel. I mean, that, that word concord means harmony and unison. You know, like you think about, about they said, you know, kind of like in relation to music or something like that, but, but even with relationships, anything like that, I mean, it's things that, if, we get, if we're getting along with folks and we don't have that urge to, to witness to them, I mean, there's, there's something wrong, okay? And that's what he's telling us. You know, we should have, an, we should have a desire always to witness to folks, to, to share the love of Christ with them. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I, I, I'll use the word witness. I mean, we don't, and again, it's, it's sharing the love of Christ. Because to me, that's what's going to win them to Christ, is, is, is them seeing the love that we have for the Lord displayed in how we live and our concern and the compassion for them that they're lost. That's what's going to, to me, that's what's going to win them. Now, I know the Lord's got to save them. We're not going to save them, but... To me, that's what's going to influence them, I think. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, these are really definite contrasts. I mean, just stark contrasts, if I could say that way, in terms of warning us, really. I mean, I, I think he, he, Paul is telling us here, he's warning us what we have to be aware of and how we live. That's what he's trying to tell us. So, um, so we think about, you know, as I said, that, that Jesus is the teacher, and he wants to teach us as believers. So what is it? What's he wanting to teach us? Well, number one, for all people, he wants, to, he wants people to understand that there's salvation in him and him only. That's number one. And then once we're saved, he wants to help us, teach us, and help us to live in the present world that we're in. Okay? He wants us to, to live the right way. And once he's working on that, he moves on to the next. The other thing is he wants us to teach us how to serve him, okay? I mean, he, he wants us to help us to live, okay? We, got, we need him every day. I know I do. We all do. But he, he wants to help us to live, and he also wants us to help to teach us how to serve him. 
So, yeah, I thought about how having salvation and allowing the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to teach us, that's not enough. Okay? It's not enough. We've got to have that, but it's not enough. Okay? I mean, it doesn't do me any good to come to church every Sunday morning, listen to, to Tom, Josh, whoever preaches, okay, and then just go home. Come back Sunday night, listen to whoever preaches on Sunday night, go home. Come Wednesday night, listen to whoever teaches, and go home. I got to apply what's being preached, what's being taught. I got to apply it, okay, into my heart, into my life, you know. That's how we get yoked up with Christ. When we apply his word, what's being preached and taught to us, and apply it to our lives, that's how we get yoked up with him. Okay, I mean, otherwise, if we're not trying, if we're not living to apply it to our lives, we're just going through the motions. We're just going through the motions. And I dare say, we're not going to have a whole lot of desire to want to witness for him or to want to serve him. You know, as believers, as we, as we sit under the preaching and sit under teaching, as we read and study the Bible, as we're supposed to, I mean, we are, we are given knowledge from God that non-believers don't have, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not flouting, I mean, I'm not flaunting what we have, can't even talk. But what I'm saying is, before I got saved, I couldn't really understand what the Bible was telling me. I could read it like a book, but we know you've got to have the Spirit. It has to reveal to us, okay? I have to be saved to truly understand. And he continues to reveal things to us. Okay, and give us understanding, okay? So in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, listen to what Peter says. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now listen to what he says. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That verse 11, he's posing a question to us, as believers, he's telling us, look, you know these things are going to happen. Is that having any impact on how you're living and how you're witnessing to people? I mean, that's, that's my interpretation of that. Does it have an impact? And that's what he's, that's, I mean, to me, that's a question that it'll, it'll churn in us a little bit if we let it. I mean, that's a, you know, because we have knowledge that the unbelievers don't have. That's why God saved us. That's why he called us. We're to share to help them see that they need Christ. So. That's right. And I ought to want to see other people get saved. Should I not? If I know that they're lost and I know how it's going to end, should I not have some concern? I mean, I think it's a, it's a great question that, that Peter gives us here. But so. It's not a matter of his spirit moving us as a believer, okay? 
It's a matter of us desiring and allowing his spirit to move us. Okay, kind of gets back to that self-will thing that I was talking about earlier, right? So, you know, I tell you, a lot of things to think about when we, when, we, when we see what Paul's trying to tell us here or what he is telling us here. So, let me go back to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 6, unless anybody's got a comment. So, verse 16, and and Paul goes on and says this, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You know, all all this is, Paul is tailoring this. He's telling us, again, look, you're saved. You've been given knowledge. You've been called to serve God, and you've also been called to, you know, God lives in you. So is that having, an, again, is that having an impact on how we're spreading the gospel, doing service for him, how, whatever that means for each of us? So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this. Hang on, let me back up a minute. Sorry. I told you I had notes all over. I, had, I got a messy notes this morning. They're all over the place. Uh, I got arrows and everything else. So, anyway, number one, it says that believers are a spiritual temple unto God. So, one, let's let's just just one thing. Just think about this. God has ownership. Okay, saved and unsaved. God has ownership of every person, of every soul. Ownership? Why? Because God made every person, every soul. Okay, so He has ownership over all. Okay, ownership. That doesn't mean everybody's saved, but he has ownership over everybody. Okay, and Ezekiel says this. Ezekiel 18, chapter 18, verse 4 says this. It says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. I mean, he owns, he owns everybody. Okay, whether folks want to admit it or not, that's, that's beside the point. God owns. He has possession he owns every soul, every person. So, um, but for us as believers, he more than owns us. Praise the Lord, he, he, he dwells in us, okay? He dwells in us. He's always, he's always dwelt among people. I mean, he did back in the Old Testament days, he dwelt among them. But for us, under grace, he dwells in us. And um, he more than just owns us, he dwells in us. And Romans 14.8 says this, find it. I couldn't, I ran out of mark, markers this morning, so I couldn't mark all my pages, so you're just going to have to bear with me for a minute. Romans 14, 8 says this. For whether we live, we live under the Lord, and whether we die, we die under the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. I mean, he, he owns everybody. Okay, now us as believers, like I said, he lives in us. So you say, why, why are you telling me all this? Because it's important. That's what makes us different. That's why, we, that's why we can say that he's our Lord and Savior, because he saved us. I asked him to come in one day and save me. He lives in me. His spirit dwells in me. His spirit doesn't dwell in the, in the unbelievers, okay? So, let's see. 
1 Corinthians 3.16 says this. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I mean, Paul is telling us, he's telling the Corinthians, and he's telling us that because God dwells in us, that we are to live that way, okay? Because he dwells in us, we're to live like Christ. I mean, that's, that's what he's telling us. And, you know, if you flip over to chapter 6, 1 Corinthians again, 19 and 20, says this, What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So when he's telling us that we're, that we're a spiritual temple, it's because we belong to God. And we're supposed to live in a way that brings honor to God. I mean, that's what he's telling us. So, um, but you know, I'm to identify with Christ and not with the world. I mean, if I'm still living trying to, to, to uh, I'm going to say measure up, to the, by the world standards or gauge whether my life is, is good or bad based on the world standards or, or culture's standards today, I've got my, I'm not thinking about this thing right. I mean, I'm saved. My measure is God's word, his spirit. His, I mean, his example, the example of Christ. That's how I'm to measure how I live, whether I'm living right or not. And not only that, I'm to identify with him and not the world. I mean, there should be some marks of identification on my life that shows that I belong to him, okay? Now, I don't mean that, that people are supposed to look to me. That's not what I'm saying. Or look at me and, and talk. Of, that's not what I mean. The way I live, though, I mean, as, as born-again believers, there ought to be marks of identification. There ought to be something about me that people, whether they like it or not, if nothing else, they know that, hey, you know, that guy, at a minimum, he goes to church, okay? Now, that ain't going to get you to heaven, but, I mean, at least something. There ought to be something that is an identification on my life that I've been saved, and, and I, you know, I profess what the Bible says, and I'm living, trying to do something for him, live for him. So, um, let's see. Anyway, I think that was my I think that was my point there. So, so anyway, we're to, I mean we're to demonstrate. You know, you think, and I've said it before. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. But um, what we've been given, I just don't think that we. Maybe it's just me, but I just don't think really as as a whole in the in the the world that we live today, that so many, if we're not careful. We just take being saved for granted, okay? We just take it for granted, and, and, and we're saved, and we're good, and as long as I make it to church on Sunday and Wednesday, things are good. But, I mean, God wants so much more. You know, and, and, what, I can, and what I can just tell you is not that I'm, I'm nothing, but, I mean, when we really embrace that realization of all the things that God has for us, and what he wants to do through us, to me, that's when we truly get to the point that we can say, or we can, he can look at us and say, you know what, 
he or she, they're really making an effort to, to be yoked up with me and to be doing the service for me and, you know, doing their best. So, and I think that's all he's asking is for us to make that effort to serve him and sell out to everything else and, and buy into him all the way. funny you said that because yeah <laughs> we didn't go either <laughs> yeah I, uh, but you know I, I, I think and I know I gotta quit but I, I, I just think we, we I, I will just say we we, we Sometimes, I think in the past, I've had this opinion that, you know, people don't want to hear it. Well, you know what? I, most people will not just shut you down. I mean, all I'll say is, you know, it, it, it's been funny. You, you pass people on the street, and if you say good morning to them or something, and you hand them a track, I have yet to have somebody say, I don't want that. Now, they may take it home and light it and burn it, okay, or they may throw it down on the street after you walk away, but you know what? That's on them. Our job is to, is, to, is to spread God's word and be that example. I mean, and, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege. So I'll be quiet.